All right. Welcome to episode nine of season two of the Jumping the Rail podcast. This is Mark Redmond coming to you from Champaign, Illinois, and joined remotely as usual by my uh, tag team partner from Bismarck, Gary Baselio. Gary, what's up, buddy? Oh, just another wonderful day in the life of me. Oh, uh, yeah. You don't really do bad days, do you? Oh, I do a lot of bad days. <laughs> I guess sarcasm doesn't uh, transmit over the internet. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, Gary, I had a whole list of things to talk about today. And then wouldn't you know it, everybody's favorite creepy old man had to go and make news again today. What happened? One, I didn't say one, it. One Vincent Kennedy McMahon, you know. And first off, uh, on Vice, his documentary is airing tonight at 8 o'clock our time. So we'll try to be done so all the viewers can, can get to that if they want to. So, number one, we have uh, more ladies coming out of the woodwork uh, claiming malfeasance and mistreatment on uh, dear old Vince there. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't say I'm surprised, but one of them, I forget her name, and I wouldn't say her name anyway, you know, anonymity, all that. I guess she's asking for 11 plus million in damages. <laughs> so, so well, she so, found out what everybody else was getting. So. Yeah, I guess so. But, uh, yeah, so they're saying that that case might actually go to court. So, I don't know. I don't know enough of the details to go any further. I'm just going by what I read today. And then, uh, not to be outdone, Vince himself went on and said that he is uh, he's ready to come back. <laughs> he, said, he said maybe he was hasty in stepping down. He's He wants to come back. But uh, <laughs> all I can say is I hope not. I don't see how it's possible. Me either. Because, I mean, there's a whole board of directors to answer to, and as long as these people keep coming out and saying Vince can't keep his hands to himself, then they're going to keep him on the back burner. Well, I mean, it's just, if anybody was smart, they would realize, hey, their ratings have went up, their houses yeah. have went up, everything's gone up since he left. The show itself is better. The show itself is better. Triple H has hired a lot more people back. People Vince didn't see anything in. So it would be the same stuff. Like Vince would be back for like maybe I give it a week before he'd just taken everything back over again. So it would AC. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he didn't have a choice. No. <laughs> if Vince has even if he did come back, he's got a bad habit of fixing what isn't broken way more often than not and uh yeah i i say if we can put a shock collar on them to keep them away from the venues even away from titan towers we'd be better off you know i mean the guy's pushing 80 he should just enjoy his retirement self-imposed or not but uh so i'm reading here that he thinks it would have blown over if he had stayed I saw that. Yeah, this will blow over. It's nothing. Just sweep it under the rug. <laughs> that sounds like everybody's favorite former president. <laughs> oh, look at that. Yet yeah, my, my beloved spouse, Vince, had better not come back and ruin things. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> and she continues, literally no one wants him back. This is very true. I don't know of anybody that uh, that wants uh, 
Vince back on the uh, on the tiller there to use the old voting euphemism. But well, the, the, the problem they're going to run into is he still he still owns most of the stock. Still owns the lion's share of the stock, so he could make things interesting that way. But they said that was going to be legally very weird anyway, with him stepping down as CEO. So, I mean, I guess he could come in and say he was going to try to force a sale or something, but I, I don't think he can force his way back in. And then that's that's just going to tear his family apart mm -hmm. because I think right now they've kind of given him the idea he's been kind of put out the pasture erroneously when it was for the best interest of everybody, and they don't really want to tell old man Vince that. Yeah, definitely not erroneously. No, it was for everybody's own good. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know how long he could stay retired myself, but yeah, he's yeah. Vince, uh, it, to use what the kids say, he's kind of. I think he's prone to fall. You know, the old fear of missing out thing, and uh, yeah. Well, mania is coming up, so that's his baby. So you know he's gonna want to be back for Mania and wrestle and Royal Rumble, and, but he just—he still thinks he's got it. He doesn't. He hasn't had it for a long time. No, he hasn't had it for about ten years, I would say. Yeah, and that's it's been the a while. Yeah, but I've, I've got to wonder if—and like I said, his documentary's out tonight at eight. So it seems a little convenient to me that about five hours before showtime all this stuff starts coming out of the woodwork is he is he a, a i don't want to say genius because i mean i don't think he is but is this a desperate ploy to get ratings for his documentary is it just trying to get back into the story? i don't know yeah no it's just people around him were smart enough to make him realize for a little bit to leave and now he's just not smart enough to stay away. He's going to get his feelings hurt. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. When a workaholic retires, then it gets a little little, little sketchy, you know? Yeah. And if you say anything else about Vince McMahon, he is most definitely a workaholic. Yeah. Also Sacrifice. a workaholic. Yeah. Sacrifice everything to the God of professional wrestling. Yep. He's, uh, it's just, it blows my mind how different he is from his old man. Just, like, his, his dad was like a, a throwback promoter from the old days, you know. And I'm not even talking about not competing with the other territories or anything. But he did not want to be in any kind of spotlight. Never showed up on television. Like, whenever they would have their shows at the Garden, Vince was maybe standing in the grill position. But he wasn't making a make drawn focus or anything like that. He, I don't think he had any desire to ever be a an on screen character or anything like that. And then you go to Vince, and Vince's friggin' Barnum and Bailey and the Ringling Brothers and all these magicians and circus performers all rolled into one, wanting yeah. to want to be the grand ringmaster of everything, you know. And this is crazy. And he's the. the 
you can make the case for Bischoff being similar because you know he really made a meal out of being on TV. But other than that, other than Bischoff and maybe Russo, there no other promoters have ever really wanted to do that. Uh, Tony even Tony Khan, he'll pop up like once every couple months on TV. Yeah, he never even showed up with the whole MJF angle or anything, or the punk, any of the punk angles, or when he was actually being talked about. So I think that's best for business, as as the kids say. Huh, yeah, and yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think Vince needs to just stay away. Let let Hunter do his job. Hunter's doing a hell of a job, and we saw that on Saturday. I don't know if you. Uh, Watched the takeover the NXT deadline on Saturday night. No, I forgot all about it to be honest. Well, it was a good show. It's uh, I didn't watch it live, I was busy on Saturday, so I watched it yesterday. And uh, the Iron Survivor Challenge thing was a lot less convoluted than I thought it was going to be, which was the main takeaway I had. And uh, they picked the right people to win. Uh, Roxy won, uh, Roxanne Perez, she's the number one contender now, and uh. Waller, the Australian kid, is uh, the Iron Survivor for the men's side, so he's going to challenge Braun Breaker down the road. And uh, I don't know, I could see Waller winning, being the champ, because he's such a, like an unlikable little prick, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's a good worker, and he's definitely good on the mic. He's got a character and a half. It's just, yeah. I don't know what you do with Breaker once he goes to the main roster. Because they haven't done anything with Strowman. I know there's supposedly a little heat on Strowman. I've heard that. But uh, if they're not doing anything with Braun, that Braun, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with the other Braun. I, I think I think young Braun would probably, I think he'd, he'd go to Raw if it was me. Yeah, but I mean, he's not going to be in the title picture. He'll probably, maybe in the U.S. title. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe if Rollins moves on to the world title picture, maybe he comes up and challenges Theory. I know they're supposed to bring up. Um, well, I can't think of his name. The to the Moon guy. Oh, uh, Grimes. Yeah, Cameron Grimes. Yeah, he's been off TV for a while. They were supposed to bring him up, and then I, I just don't know where you put him. I mean, that's another dude. Extremely talented all oh, the way yeah. around. Great character, can cut a great promo, got a good mm-hmm. look. Yeah. Definitely can work. Yeah. But where are you? I, I'm i guessing that Ricochet is going to dethrone um, Gunther Walter. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. But, uh, and so I, I think that's Triple H's way of, of kind of showing that he's willing to take chances on so-called smaller guys. Yeah. I think that's what it's going to be. I think Ricochet's going to finally uh, take that belt. Yeah. But. I don't know if Ricochet takes the belt. I think Gunther might hang on to it, at least through the Rumble. But uh, Triple H is definitely a Ricochet fan, he, and he's uh, not afraid to work with the, the smaller guys. As evidenced by Finn Bowers in a a big spot on Raw these days, and uh, the uh, I don't know if you heard the rumor about Gunther Gary. Little alliteration there. Apparently, uh, Brock requested him for WrestleMania. Really? 
Yeah, Lesnar against Gunther. If, That's uh, definitely not a guy that Brock can just do whatever he wants with. No, and I'm just getting the idea of Gunther just landing one of those chops on Brock just to see what happens. <laughs> when he, when that hand hits that that dinner table of a chest. <laughs> Either Gunther's hand is going to break or Brock's going to get a little unhappy with him. And But uh, it's definitely a match I want to see. I don't think Gunther will be Intercontinental Champion by the time that match rolls around. I, I just, and I don't know, it could, I keep thinking Sheamus to be the one to beat him, but they seem like they moved on from Sheamus. He's doing the stuff with Roman now. Or even tag team stuff with Butch, but I don't know. It's. Uh, I would I would guess it would, my, if he's wanting to work with Gunther, easiest way to do that is in the Rumble. You have Lesnar come in doing Lesnar stuff in the Rumble, which is, Always dumb, where he's just tossing people out right and left, and then I'd have Gunther eliminate him. Yeah, and maybe then, with, maybe with a little assist from his boys, you know. Yeah, with the help of Imperium, but he still eliminates him. Yeah. And Gunther doesn't have to win the Rumble; then he just has heat. No, if he eliminates Brock, he's made. He, he's good. He's well. Then you could also have Brock come like do Brock stuff, which is heel stuff, but come back in and, uh, and throw Gunther out or or do something that costs him the match one way or the other. So right. then that's set up for Mania right there. You don't have to have much more build-up than that. No, I, I wouldn't say so. Uh, not a lot going on. There's I'm hearing with Mania, now I'm hearing less talk about The Rock coming in which I think they're just kind of playing it close to the vest, you know, I think. I still think he's coming. But it's almost like they're wanting people to forget about The Rock until until they bring him out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just keep wondering who they're finally going to have. I mean, I can kind of see the... I don't know what they're going to be doing on Friday because they're supposed to have a thing for Sammy. I don't think... They're going to turn on Sammy. It seems too early. But what I think might happen is that uh, I think Kevin Owens is going to take one of the belts off. And I think Sammy Zayn's going to help him. I think they're building this up, this rift between them, how he's involved with the family. I think Zayn's going to help Owens take the title, one of the titles off of him. Of the Roman, he's gonna. So I think that's how it's gonna work. Okay. I mean that makes sense. I I do think that pulling the trigger on the split up with Sammy is a little too early still, just because of how recent Survivor Series was and the whole blow off of that angle. But eventually, yeah, I think I do think Sammy. If the if the Rock is off the table, I think Sammy is one of the guys to challenge Roman and Mania. I think it's just, yeah. the angle writes itself, you know. And, uh, and there's a lot of other people that are saying, they're saying when Cody comes back, it'll be him. They're saying Rock, they're saying Sammy, they're saying Kevin, they're saying, it was people still saying Drew, you know. But, well, if, it's, if they don't get Rock at Mania for some reason, because you only have so much time left with him, because as good a shape he's in, I mean, he's closing in on 60, 
now. So, now. So, do it now if you can do it at all. But if you don't do that, you could always have a triple threat. Like, first pin wins one belt, second pin wins the next belt. And you have Cody and, and Owens. And you have Cody win the first fall, and then Owens win the second fall with help of Zane. I, I'd, I'd do you one better. I'd say have Cody and Sam, or Owens and Sammy and Roman. Have Owens win one with, like, like Sammy ex- accidentally, finger quotes, like, kicks Roman in the face, knocks him out. Yeah. And have Sammy just beat Roman outright for the other one. But uh, I don't know. We're not the bookers, and we don't get paid enough to do it. But uh, it's fun to think about. No, we don't get paid anything. (laughs) (laughs) We Actually, we're deficit time (laughs) by watching all this stuff. (sighs) I could have written a great American novel, but it wasn't for... (laughs) What the hell was that? Was that Reggie? Yep. (laughs) Oh, good old Reggie. It just kind of came out of nowhere like an RKO. Something's outside. Uh-huh. Yeah, they do like things outside, don't they? Yeah, my dad probably walked out the door or something. So. Ah, gotcha. So, yeah, along with... So, kind of get back on the uh, on track here. With uh, Deadline NXT, we also got the New Day winning the NXT Tag Team titles. From Deadly. I I think it's twofold myself. I think, number one, they need something for the New Day to do. I mean, they've kind of run their course with the Usos for now, so I don't think they're going to get close to the tag titles anytime soon. And number two, they got all these young tag teams down in NXT that I think they need somebody to kind of coach them up a little bit, work with them, you know. So it just makes sense that those would be the guys they would send down there, you know. Yeah. Well, it's like when Ziggler went down there and won the title off of Breaker. Mm-hmm. It was just to show them, hey, this is how you, this is how you professionally wrestle. This is what we're wanting. Watch this guy for a few weeks, right? See what he does, and then do that. Yeah, pretty much. You don't have to shake your ass like Kofi does, but you know, it's the work. You know, it's the. If anybody can teach you how to work a crowd and uh, have good matches, it's Kofi Kingston. So, so I'm I'm all for it. I think it's a good call. Uh, trying to think what else. Uh, wasn't a whole lot. Of, it was kind of a short show because the two Iron Survivor matches were like 25 minutes each, so that kind of cuts into the two hours. So, I mean, everything was good on the show, but that was the only real noteworthy things like really sticking out top of my head. Now, on the other hand, uh, earlier in the day, they had uh, Ring of Honor had Final Battle. They did it at the early afternoon show. And uh, I'm uh, next week, we're doing our, or our next episode is going to be our year in review, Gary, where we talk about the best of the, of what happened in 2022. And I thought I had my match of the year figured out, but there were two matches that happened this week that really kind of made me stop and think. One of them happened on Impact. It was uh, Josh Alexander and Mike Bailey. who They went about an hour for the world title. Yeah, that was a long match. I yeah, was, Alexander likes those long matches. Because uh, Impact's the only place that let him do it. But uh, then the other one was the, the double dog collar at Final Battle, Briscoe's and FTR. 
the last match of the feud, you know, that that's number three. And I watched, I didn't watch the pay-per-view, but I watched a fan posted the, a video of the match on YouTube, like, the next day. And holy crap, <laughs> they just beat the piss out of each other with those dog collars. And Yeah, there were some pretty dumb bumps that happened. There, there yeah. were, but there was also some good psychology in there, too, though. Uh, specifically, Dax Harwood, uh, probably the best seller in the match, I would say. Uh, but, yeah, he took the uh, – they, they were smart. They didn't have him tap out or get pinned. They had him pass out. So it keeps them looking looking strong, you know. But now the ROH is starting to run shows on Honor Club, which is their streaming service. Uh, now the Briscoes are 13-time tag champions there. And I, it seems like yeah, it's just they're going to be off and running with them, like, back in. Like, uh, they had their run with Impact and GCW this year, but now it seems like ROH is ready to kind of hit the ground running a little bit more. And uh, with that said, final battle, every, every champion but Samoa Joe lost. So I think all most of the AEW guys holding their belts are – kind of going back to AEW and they're kind of starting to build the Ring of Honor roster separate from AEW now, which I was hoping that they would do. But uh, just to recap, Claudio beat Jericho, made him tap I out saw the, the I saw the end of that match and that, and that had to be something Jericho thought of. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because nobody else had ever tapped out because Claudio just kept swinging them yeah. 30 times. It's, I, I think Lagrette counted 34 times from what he said. But, yeah, it's, I remember a long time ago, Chuck Taylor said, Claude, and this is a quote, Chuck Taylor from Best Friends said, yeah, Claudio can be a real dick about swinging people. Yeah. And he kind of showed that on Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, so Claudio's got the belt back. I thought it was cool. I was, like, going into the show before I knew about them bringing back their TV. I thought Jericho was going to keep the belt up because he's been doing a hell of a job like building that belt up again the last few months. But uh, if it's anybody, Claudio's the guy, you know, because she's the one that's been uh, really working, busting his ass trying to get back up to, to that spot. So I'm glad that he won it. Uh, Yuta won the peer title back from Daniel Garcia. Uh, and uh, it kind of makes me think that, I mean, obviously there's no more Blackpool Combat Club. You know, Regal's gone. So it seems like Danielson and Moxley are going to be the AEW guys, and then Claudio and Yuta are going to probably focus more on Ring of Honor, if I had to guess. I, I think they're kind of still going to be together, but not what they were. So right. I don't know. I don't know what you do with, I don't know what they're doing with FDR. FDR seems to be losing all their titles. They haven't lost the New Japan ones yet, but it went from three to triple champs to single champs, and then they lost in a non-screwjob way to the, the claim. So I'm not yeah. exactly sure what they're doing. I must. I may have missed something. Did are they still AAA champs? I didn't see the belt, but I could be wrong. I don't know if they just wore the. I think AAA has a, a beef with Ring of Honor, to where they can't like show their belts or, like you know, 
I think it's why I think Andrade missed one of their shows. I think Andrade wasn't on Forbidden Door because of that. Oh. So I think there might be a beef with Tony. Uh, so they might still have those belts. But yeah, it's, you're right. They dropped the Ring of Honor titles. It seems, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to drop the IWGP at Wrestle Kingdom just because uh, whoever wins the World Tag League is going to have a guaranteed shot. And uh, nine times out of ten, they wind up winning the titles. So. That's my guess. Triple A, I don't honestly know enough about their tag team picture to know who would be the ones to beat it, FTR, for those. But, uh, yeah, it just kind of remains to be seen there, you know. And uh, on top of those, uh, Athena, Ember Moon uh, beat uh, Mercedes Martinez, which didn't stick well it kind of surprised me i thought mercedes would be the one sticking with ring of honor and athena would mainly be aew but you know she works a little stiff from what i hear so maybe ring of honor is a good spot for her yeah every once in a while you gotta put it in there <laughs> easy <laughs> but yeah she's uh i always i always thought she was good she can kind of promo she's got a good character it's yeah. just I didn't see him be doing anything with their rocks. Uh, not Roxy. Uh, Ruby. Ruby's yeah. back. So, like, you kind of have this. If she's back, she's going to be feuding with X. And so, what's Athena going to do? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like anybody is beating Jade anytime soon. So, no, not likely. Then Paige and Britt are feuding, and then I think you're probably going to have a feud with Britt and um, Jamie. Yeah, with yeah. who? Jamie Hader. Though, yeah. yeah. So. And then Tony Storm is in there somewhere. I yeah, whatever she's back or whatever's her. wrong with her. If there is anything, if unless right. they're just keeping her off TV for a while. Right. They might be saving her for if Thunder Rosa comes back. Yeah. It seems like there's there's a story there that they can they can work with. But uh yeah, so and then the other title change on the show was uh the embassy beat uh, Dalton Castle and his boys for the, the trios title. It's kind of a like an afterthought of a match. It was it was all right from what I heard. But you know, I it's not one that uh, it wasn't one of the big headlines of the show, you know. Gives Brian Cage a belt. Yeah. And then uh, gives Prince Nana something to, to brag about to get his uh, get his heat. He's good at that. He's good at getting the heat. So I've always liked the embassy. I, I mainly like the original embassy from like, well, not original, but from like 20, like 05, you know, when they had Alex Shelley and Jimmy Rave and Abyss and all those guys, you know. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, Prince Nana is back in the in in the fold because, like I said, he was probably my favorite manager in Ring of Honor for a long time. And uh, yeah, so like I said a really fun weekend for, for anybody that watched both shows like back to back on Saturday. I salute you. I probably would have done the same thing, but I wasn't home. And uh, and yeah, so. It's an overall awesome weekend of wrestling. Uh, damn good SmackDown Friday night, you know. Uh, 
again, I watched that on mute. I was at the bar, but they had it on the TV. So, uh, but yeah, so going into it's weird. There's not a pay per view in December for the first time in a long time. WWE, so they got a lot of room to work with before the Rumble. So hopefully that means they can kind of show their work and, you know, really, I can feel me have the big whiteboard and, you know, really, really put some thought into what they're going to do with the Rumble. It's is, it going to have Vince come in at number 30. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh that would be classic, Vince. Don't put it past him. Uh uh-uh. uh. Don't put it past him. <laughs> that would be something dumb he would do. Yeah. But yeah, I can't. I don't know how you can think that you can come back. Like, you're done. Oh, you're, he's, just, you're done, done. He's like, a the board of directors is. I mean, anybody's going to look at that situation and be like, um, yeah, no, we're doing fine without you. We're, in fact, you have more allegations now. <laughs> Which, hey, if my conspiracy theory is true about, like, Steph and Triple H and Khan, uh-huh. like, they probably heard rumblings or Vince told them, hey, I want to come back. And then they're like, well, let's make sure we find all the women. Yeah, they said Vince told his inner circle, which I have to assume includes Nick Khan. You know, fill up my Dan Housen mug real quick here. So there you go. Told him, told him what that he was wanting to come back, or yeah, all the stuff that he said. He said he wanted to come back. It would, he should have waited, but stepped down because it would all blow over. All that stuff. I would imagine he told Pritchard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Pritchard's his right-hand man, you know, and I'm not knocking Bruce because Bruce is also doing a hell of a job with, with Hunter. Like, he's one of the few Vince guys that didn't get the axe when Triple H took over. Yeah, I can't imagine Triple H just being like, yeah, sure, come back. I, I got nothing going on. Yeah, I'm just living my dream right now, running the show and getting ratings and, you know, making the fans happy. Go fuck that. <laughs> That's the face I was waiting for, Gary. Just the shake your head in derision. So tough. <laughs> I, I miss grumpy Gary. Just rich people thinking they can just do whatever they want anytime they want because they always have. That's all it is. <laughs> Nobody stopped them before, so. No. Huh? I think this time is his time to be stopped. So. Yeah. And, but the other main point that I have is Vince is 86. Not 86. 80 something. 80 something. I forget how old he is. It's but he's old, old enough to think, you know what? No. <laughs> it's, it's a young man's game, and you are not a young man. You know? Yeah. Well, Triple H isn't even a young man. Triple H, he's in the 50s, you know? Yeah. But 50 is the new 30 these days. I don't know if you know that, Gary. I don't feel that. <laughs> See, I, I, have even, a different, I have a different I'm not even 50 yet. <laughs> well, neither am I. But I say you're only as old as you feel. And I have the back, knees, and feet of an 84-year-old man. Yes. 
I agree. Yeah. I, my brother brought his kids down for Thanksgiving, and I was tired just watching them run around and do what they do. I don't have that kind of energy anymore. Yeah. Kids be exhausting, man. Yeah. We went to uh, our, our buddy Marco, you know, the original producer of the show. He had the annual uh, family Christmas party for all of uh, our group of friends. And Narj Bazaar brought his boys. And after a while, all three of them, uh, they're 10, 5, and 3, I want to say. Stacy would know better than I would. But just free-for-all wrestling extravaganza on the, in the middle of the living room. And Murray, the five-year-old, he works stiff. <laughs> he was making me cringe with chops and his, they don't know how to work safely yet. But uh, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, but they, they they went for a good forty-five minutes, and I was tired out watching them. Yeah, I, I remember being in high school and wrestling in the my friend's yard or in their room and getting just legit DDT'd on the ground or the floor or rock bottom or get put in a camel clutch at the same time as a Boston crab, like <laughs> legit both ways and almost oh. passed out. <laughs> Did you hear the bones creaking? I was, I was like, I can get out of one of the, oh, nope, I'm about to pass out. <laughs> when I was five years old, my uh, my mom wasn't home from work yet, and I hope telling this story doesn't get my dad in trouble. But it was just uh, me and uh, my brother at home. He's two years older than me, and my dad was out in the garage, I think, doing something with his car. Or I don't know. So it, my brother and I we used to always wrestle around in the house, and it was always harmless. Nobody ever got hurt or anything, except for one other time, but I'll get into that later. But he decided he was going to give me the slingshot, you know, the grab the two legs and throw you into the in the turnbuckle as it were well the turnbuckle was a wall <laughs> yeah i i didn't know how to protect myself so i basically broke the impact with my face <laughs> and uh two front teeth gone <laughs> i was not happy I, I i'm told i cried i don't remember very much but then my brother plays uh <laughs> he plays doctor he takes me to the bathroom cleans me up and everything and tells me don't don't say anything. You basically keep my mouth shut so they can't see. So, yeah. oh, he sits me on the couch and has me literally do this. I'm like, what was that? Is <laughs> <said>, you okay? <laughs> my mom came home and she figured, she figured out I didn't have to do anything. He's like, what did you do? <laughs> so we told her, and then we didn't get in trouble. My dad got in trouble because <laughs> he was not in the house. And uh, so, yeah, that's one of the perils of uh, bedroom wrestling, you know? Yeah. Then there was a time I, the other time I was, he, my brother gave me a leg drop, but he didn't know you have to bend the, the knee when you go over the, the windpipe. So he kind of mabled me, you know? Trying, trying to kill his little brother. It's okay. I'm sure he thought I had it coming, but in, in the long run, no harm done. You probably had it coming anyway. I probably did. <laughs> I was I was I was a scamp back then. Hey Gary, do you remember a few episodes ago we talked about all of the crimes committed on wrestling shows that go unpunished? Except yeah. for like 
there was another one a couple weeks ago. I don't know how much you watch of Impact. Apparently, Eric Young was murdered on TV. Is that what they? Is that what they're saying? That's what they're. That was the angle they shot. Deaner stabbed him and, and killed him, and that's how I they got him off. That. I I saw them beating him up, and he was bloody, but he was really bloody the night before. I just figured he got busted open again. But they, I didn't see the part where they stabbed him. That was it. Was like a cinematic, like vignette kind of thing. You know, oh. another. It wasn't in the ring. Oh. But, but yeah, so that's what they do now. When they did it with the uh, with the bunny when she was leaving, they had her get killed off, and then yeah, they did it like with, sliced slit her throat or something. Something like that, yeah. And then uh, Taya Valkyrie got arrested for murder when she was leaving. The first time, it's, yeah. you know, Impact is doing a lot of good things, specifically in the ring, like with the wrestling. But the, I mean, come on, <laughs> you don't have to kill people. What happens when Eric Young's contract goes up and he comes back to Impact? They'll say, "Oh, I'm fine." Well, you know, after, then you'll have James Vandenberg bring him back from the dead. Oh, there you go. Because he can do that. <laughs> oh, but the. <sighs> I mean, there are more creative ways to get a guy off TV than to to kill them. And then Diener had a match, like the next week. Yeah. Even though there's video evidence of him committing murder. I'm wondering if Eric Young's going to actually work or if he's just going to be a producer. I don't know. I mean, Nikki Cross is doing a lot of teases about Sanity coming back. So Yeah. I well, mean, I man, Eric Young is good. He's damn good. And he can still work. And he came back a lot sooner from that knee than I, anybody probably should have. And he can definitely cut a promo. Like, he's a great, great character guy. Yeah. He just never given a chance. So if they bring back Sanity, that would be interesting. Yeah, but I wonder how far they would go with that. Would they bring back the whole group? Because Nick Damo. was married to Killian Dane, you know, Dabo, the big yeah. guy. So, I could, so he makes sense to come back. And then... Alexander Wolf, I don't know what they're what's happened to him. I don't know if he's wrestling in Europe or, or what. But we, I don't know. Like big I've never just never been a fan of of Damo. I just I don't he's not bad, but I don't know. It's doesn't nothing sticks out to me. You could do a lot with anybody. You could just add them to the group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember the original group. It was um, uh, Sawyer Fulton, Madman Fulton from Impact, was originally in the group before he got cut. Well, and, I, I haven't seen him in Impact in a while, so I don't know if he's even still there or not. I think he's still there. I just don't think they have anything for him right now because he's not with Ace anymore. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> no, he, he just, just, just kind of is forward. there. Yeah, I don't know if he's just not very good in the ring or... Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, he was always... Like, I think they did a good job of hiding whatever negatives he had. But, uh, but yeah, he wasn't like a... He's never been a real standout performer, in in my opinion. I mean, all due respect to the guy. But... Uh, I mean, even, yeah, on in, even on indie shows, you'd see him with Ace Austin. He was never just by himself. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah, now he's in the bullet club. 
and doing quite well. Uh, him and uh, Chris Bay made the finals of the Super Junior Tag League in Japan. So I don't know. I don't think that match has happened yet, the finals. So I'm not sure if they won the cup yet or not. But he's he's a pretty good fit for Bullet Club with his uh, his character and his attitude and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think who else is in the Bullet Club right now. That I was thinking Juice Robinson. He's kind of, I thought he would be a bad call, but he's actually not bad with them. He kind of changed up his character, you know. So he's and he's he's doing the thing. He wrestled. Uh, shit, who was it? He's an AEW now, right? Yeah, he wrestled. Uh, he wrestled Joe at the paper the final battle for the TV title. So I think he might be a Ring of Honor guy like, going forward. Well, him and Tony Storm are together, so yeah, kind of makes sense. It does make sense, but. Uh, yeah, he's a big deal. Uh, he's a he's a Joliet guy. He worked uh, IWA Mid South for for a little bit when he first IWA, IWA, IWA. But, but I, I like Juice because when he got cut by WWE after the whole CJ Parker run that kind of went nowhere, like the tree hugging Vicky kind of guy, he actually went to the New Japan Dojo and trained there for like a year, and kind of rebuilt himself from the ground up, and then. Just had to probably save his career because he had a hell of a run there. Yeah, some guys just fit in better in Japan. Yeah, like Jay White. I don't, I don't see him being a major star here. I just, but he's huge star there. Oh yeah, Jay's one of my favorites. Uh, he. Uh, Number one, yeah, his character work in Japan is phenomenal. I loved his run in Impact this year. Yeah. When he was there, uh, I didn't think they did enough with him in uh, AEW. They brought him in to defend the title of Forbidden Door, but other than that, he was kind of, he was just window dressing for uh, the Undisputed Elite when he was there. But they could have, I, I imagine if Cole hadn't got hurt, they could have done something with Cole and White. In some degree. Yeah. Artel and Coles that ever gonna come back. So. Yeah, it's uh I'm just saying it, it doesn't look great. He's uh, he had a pretty uh, pretty damn hard concussion at that show. But uh hopefully it's uh number one, hopefully he's all right, but then hopefully he can come back because I do enjoy Adam Cole. Bye bye. So we haven't discussed the uh, the elephant in the room regarding his lordship, Gary. Ugh. So, so old William Regal, which made it look like a chump on TV last week or two weeks ago. Last week they have him; they show a pre-taped promo him with Shivani, basically writing himself off of like off the TV, and. Now the the rumors uh, are true. He is uh, coming back to WWE as a hang on and let me double check here. Vice president of something. Yeah, it's a vice president. I don't know what uh, capacity exactly. Well, Triple Triple H has a lot of respect and trust in him. So yeah, oh yeah. That's just a, that's just another like hiring right there where that tells me Vince isn't ever coming back. Yeah. Triple H is 
and Stephanie are setting up their chess pieces. Like Vince isn't going to come in and just, they're not going to let him come back. No. Whatever, what he wants. It's going to be a big messy thing if he tries to force his way back in. There's something interesting, though, that I read today uh, about Regal and Vince. I guess he did an interview in October where he said that Vince actually terminated his non-compete clause early so he could go to AEW. Which, yeah, but he terminated him, too. So yeah, but, but he let him go, go to work. Yeah. So he says, and there's, there's a quote here from Regal. Uh, Mr. McMahon was very good to me to the point of, I will say this because whatever he's going through, he was excellent to me. I, kind of an odd sentence, but you know, British. I had a talent contract as well as an employee contract, and it didn't run out until the end of April because I played William Regal. I started for AEW on the 7th of March. I didn't call anybody else. I sent a message straight to the boss. Hey, boss, I got this thing with Brian, and he loves Brian as well. Absolutely, you go, and still paid me until the end of my talent contract. I was the only person who ever got paid by both companies at the same time. So, I mean, so look at that. My fancy reading glasses because I can't see shit anymore. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, he's got plenty of good things to say about Vince despite everything, which <laughs> tells me the, the character of the guy, you know, he could, yeah. he could have easily taken the low road there. But awesome. I think. Regal, and number one, the other thing, uh, Regal, I think, wanted to come back and work with this kid because this kid's in NXT right now, uh, Charlie Dempsey. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while, so I don't know if he's, he's still there. Training. Or... Yeah, I like what I've seen of him so far. You know, he reminds me a lot of his old man, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think they need to develop the character a little bit more. But in ring, I think he's he's off to a really good start. And, uh, and you know, like I said, for what Pat Patterson was for Vince back in the day, I think that's what Regal is for uh, for Triple H going forward. Because Regal was kind of a mentor for Hunter back in WCW. Yeah. So, I mean, they go, that's how far back, you go back farther than Triple H does with Shawn Michaels, to put it in perspective. And, uh, and then you just can't discount Regal's eye for talent. You know, I mean, he was always the guy that would go to, like, when they were starting NXT UK, he, he like, called all of those guys to do that tournament, like, directly, because he knew all of them. <laughs> and it just well, worked out. I mean, it's a it's the same thing he's done with NXT, where he's putting Michaels and Road Dog and a few other people in positions of of power, because he doesn't have to... Unlike Vince, who wanted to micromanage everything, yep. had to micromanage everything, couldn't leave anything alone. Triple H, I think, has is, is learned, maybe from the heart attack, maybe just from experience, that you can't do that and be effective. Mm -hmm. And so he's put Michaels and Road Dog and people he trusts, and, and Regal's just another piece to that, where it's, hey, I have a lot of stuff I have to do. I'm writing these shows. I'm trying to get all this back online. I can't do everything, but I need somebody I can put in a position and and then just walk away because I know everything I ask them to do, they're just going to get it done. Mm -hmm. And Regal is going to be one of those guys. You just give him the ball and he's just going to run with it and then hand it back to you when he's done. 
Yeah. So it's a it's a good pickup. It's a good hire. I mean, he's all the people he's bringing back are people who have shown loyalty to him in the past or whatever spark he wanted to see. So it, that's people he's pushing. That that's the storylines that are growing, and it's because he doesn't have to worry about that. Like he knows Kevin Owens isn't going to drop the ball. No. Because he's just good. Yeah. And people people really are on really are on board with Owens right now. He's getting huge reactions. And when you don't have to write overwrite somebody or tell somebody what to do in the ring or worry how green they they look, that's just that's just icing on the cake. It's so I mean, what he's doing is just genius because it's not too much. He's not trying to squeeze every drop of blood out of a stone and try to make it, you know, just be magical. He's just taking what he has, giving it to people that know what they're doing and let them do their job. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think the the health scare has a lot to do with that because... Number one, I'm sure the doctors told him to kind of take it a little bit easy and don't get uh, don't get carried away with it. But also, you know, just Hunter's a smart guy. You know, he knows he knows what he knows what the grind is. He knows what the grind did to his uh, his father-in-law. So yeah, so I think that had a lot to do with it also. But but as far as like his like the people he's counting on, look what they're doing on SmackDown. They got LA Knight in a feud with Bray Wyatt right now, and. Out of all the people that everybody was speculating when Bray came back, he I guarantee LA Knight was not on their list for who he yeah. was going to work with. Wasn't on mine. But... No, surprised me. But they're having a hell of a uh, hell of a hell of a time. They're cutting some good promos back and forth. And, you know, I'm sure there's a match coming eventually. But I wonder if Bray's still shaking off some of the ring rust before they put him back in there. Could be. Because, I mean, it's, it was well over a year that he wasn't anywhere near a wrestling ring, so I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, just looking at Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory to a, to an extent, these were all the guys that really came up under Triple H when they got into the system. And these are the guys that he's really he's putting, he's putting stock into. I don't know if that was... Oh, I think that was my wife coughing. It, it's the, I don't have a fancy studio. I just have my living room, so everything picks up on this microphone. Oh, that wasn't her. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that was my wife. That was oh, it's your wife. <laughs> I don't have a fancy studio. Either. No. I have a basically two-room house. So. That's all right. Hey, we're, we're paying our dues, right? Yeah. One of these days, we'll get in touch with Dustin and figure out the studio, but until then, we're we're fine doing the remote thing here. So, I think getting back to Regal, I think uh, in the credit is due to part, but we got to say so about Tony Khan too, because Tony didn't have to let Regal out of his contract. He was, I think, he still had another year on it. And, oh, really? Yeah, and Regal called him, and and also, and you know, Tony's mother just had a stroke, so he's he's had a lot on his plate too. And Regal called him and said he wanted to get he wanted out of his deal to go back and work with his kid and all this stuff. And Tony let him go. He didn't uh, try to stop him or anything. So, you know, I, I say kudos to him. You know, so 
they could have very easily turned into a bidding war or a pissing contest between both companies, but they just, you know, you got to pick your battles, I guess, right? Yeah. Because if he'd stuck around, Regal would have been a big deal in AEW behind the scenes more than anything. Basically, what he's doing with Hunter, he would have, he should have been doing with Tony from the start. Yeah, it makes me wonder what guys like Mark Henry and Big Show are doing behind the scenes. I know Big Mark Henry's doing a lot of community outreach work for AEW and stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he's I also think Big Big Show still does commentary and stuff, right? Or uh, I'm not sure. I don't watch show. a lot of the YouTube. He was doing Dark Elevation, I think, but I haven't watched that in forever. But uh, Mark Henry's doing the he's the he's the chief from uh, where the world is coming, San Diego on Rampage. You know, he's the face in the box. Yeah. So says his line. And... Yep. I forget who it is. It's either Orange Cassidy or Danhausen always tries to steal his line and he has to yell at him. Which I I, I bet it's Danhausen. He's a rascal. But uh, yeah. So. Yeah, you gotta wonder, like, because they've got a a plethora to use a fun word of uh, experienced guys in the back. That from if you believe what you read on the internet, which I don't know why you would, they uh, nobody listens to the yeah. some of the young guys don't listen to the old the, the veterans. And I wonder if I I originally wondered if that was one of the reasons we all wanted to go because nobody was listening to them. But if you listen. Brian Pillman actually debunked that. Uh, Pillman Jr. said that, like most of the roster, would sit around the ring and talk to him before shows and everything and get feedback. So, so that kind of debunked that theory for me. So yeah, it's a, uh, it is what it is. I'm frankly glad he comes back because I think he and Triple H work well together. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. It starts. Uh, his deal starts in January of 23, and I'm told the only condition was that he cannot appear on television for a year. Which I think he's probably—I I would imagine—he's fine with. What are you looking at? Oh, I was looking at something. Sorry. <laughs> Glad I've got your attention. No, I heard you. I was just <laughs> checking something out real quick. I got you. You always got to know what's going on in the house, right? Yeah. All right. Well, Gary, let's move on. There's—I <laughs> heard something that tickled me today. Uh. We all know that people compare Matt Riddle to Rob Van Dam, right? For one reason or another. The main reason he likes the uh, to- the uh, the chronic, as the kids say. Yeah. But uh, so first off, uh, he popped a drug test over the week. I think it was over the weekend. Maybe it was last week. I forget. Uh, he tested positive for cocaine and Molly, apparently, which is well, I'll be of- right. If you read any of those text messages, you kind of knew that he was on cocaine and Molly because he said yeah. he was on cocaine and Molly in the text yeah. messages. But what's weird is his personality doesn't scream cocaine to me. He's, he just seems like he likes the stuff that makes you a little loopy, you know. It might, it might be why he likes it so much. It I gives him a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. So, so like. Uh, all due respect to Rob Van Dam, he he got suspended a time or two for uh, for the for the chronic, you know, for the marijuana. And uh, now in another chapter of the, I'm kind of like RVD file. Apparently, and not judging, you know, more power to him. Matt Riddle is dating a porn star. 
uh, I forget her name, but it's kind of right in tune with uh, the RVD life plan, you know? Well, it's Riddle's dated a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. Got in a lot of trouble for dating all of them somehow. <laughs> so. Yeah, he'd been known to hunt some strange every now and then, and that kind of got him in the doghouse. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he's kind of... It's kind of like when Nick Cage married Lisa Marie Presley because he's such a big fan of Elvis. Yeah, yeah. Which was really, really weird. I mean, you and I love Elvis, but that's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nick, Nick's a little odd. A little bit. There's a... Named his, named his son after Superman, after all. So. I'm sorry? Named his son after Superman. Like actual Superman or Clark Kent? Um, I believe his name is Kal-El. Oh, oh, Nicholas. I believe him. He's an odd bird. So. <sighs> oh, boy. <laughs> they say never meet your heroes. Sometimes never read about your heroes because they just come off like they're nuts. Yeah, it's uh, Kal-El Coppola Cage. <laughs> well, the Coppola makes sense. but Yeah. So Cal L one word? Cal dash L. Okay. So, so it's Superman's full name as right. his first name. I'm just waiting for him to change his own name to Jorel Cage. That would be that would be a pleasant surprise someday in my old inbox. <laughs> <laughs> oh good. All right, I think we've Made enough small talk. We got some business to get to, Gary. But before we get into the top ten and the Hall of Fame, all that stuff, I have a I have a cheap plug to make. If you'll indulge me, uh, we got some new shirts on prowrestlingtees.com slash jtrpod. I put it up on the Facebook page earlier, but I'll put it here, right there. Look at that. It's some nice graphics, don't you think? So yeah, so we got the regular logo shirt here. We talk wrestling. This. These three all came in the last like two days, and I like this one. Wrestling makes me happy. Come on, just you know, simple. You know, got a smiley face on there. Who doesn't like that? Uh, Hoss fights draw money, which is kind of my mantra. And then the old wrestling math: uh, red equals green. You know, blood equals money. So, so all those are available on the website. Go check it out. Uh, Everything you uh, you purchase, we uh, helps us keep the lights on, keep the mics going, and we would appreciate anything that you feel the uh, inclination to to go for. So, so there you go, prowrestlingtees.com slash jtrpod if you're interested on there. And uh, all right, so we're gonna go into let me find my graphics here because I'm directing and hosting at the same time. JTR Hall of Fame, and uh, this is our. Th- Third, I think, give or take. And no, I'm sorry, fourth uh, inductee. So the first 20 or so of these are going to be no brainers because, you know, there's so many that we can go with. I'm going with, uh, well, probably one of my favorites. Uh, I, love the, I love the Texas guys from way back, Gary. So this week we are inducting, boom, Dusty Rhodes. Not the rolls. Not the rolls. The bowl of the wood in public, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, what's not to love about Dusty, Gary? I mean, he can talk. He, not the not a chiseled Adonis, which I think we can relate to. But he could he could do what he had to in the ring. He could talk butts into seats, as uh, to borrow from Tony Schiavone. And also, man, just as a booker, you know, he was he did everything, and it was great. He was, uh, well, I mean, considering how he started his career of not training at all, yeah, saying saying the Funks trained him, <laughs> and they didn't. I think Murdoch did the same thing, and nobody found out until he was booked on a show with uh, Dory. And they were like, hey, uh, one of your students is here. Must be nice to see him again. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the story goes Dusty was playing for the Patriots. And I think he got cut or something. And he would just wind up going to a wrestling show up in Boston. And just said, hey, yeah, I trade with the Funks. And I want a shot. And I think he won a championship in his first match, if I remember hearing right. So yeah, he uh, he always had a little bit of that snake oil salesman in him to get his foot in the door. But uh, yeah, three-time world champion. Uh, every, everybody talks crap about the polka dots, Gary. I want to get your take. Was it a rib? Was it not? Um, I don't know. I I don't think Vince did it to like kill his push it was more to see if I imagine Dusty said something like he could get over anything that's like alright get this over right and it didn't help but I I think there was a I think there was some um, the side kind of I think it was kind of the same thing that Vince would do with the guys that would come in from like WCW he he went out of his way to hire them. And he knew they already had a name. But then he would also go out of his way to bury them. Because they weren't his guy. And like he did it with Jericho for what a year or more? Before like Jericho finally started getting some traction back. Came in yeah, as hot as anybody Jericho ever came in. Yeah, Jericho yeah. had a little bit of heat when he came in. So, but I yeah, but there was a lot of those guys that came in, like even like Big Show, like when he came in, like he looked great. He had the surgeries and stuff they wanted him to get, like the liposuction, and and still did nothing with him. And I, I think that, yeah, one of the only guys they did. I I don't know if he did that because he got burnt with Flair. I'm wondering if that had something to do with it because Flair came in. He gave Flair titles, had him win Royal Rumbles, do all these things, and then Flair just took off on him. Well, there's no killing Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah. Ric Flair so I'm, I'm, I, wonder if, I wonder if being a narcissist, is, as Vince is, like he got burnt that one time, and after that he's like, oh, I'm never going to. If I don't make these guys, then when they come in, they're going to have to earn it all over again. Because even Goldberg, you know, yeah, you had to earn everything all over again. So yeah. he really didn't get much of a push until he came back at like fifty years old. He's got more of a push in the last like two years than he ever did. Yeah, well, 
it's easy to forget he was only there for a year when he first showed up in 03. Yeah. Basically from the night after Mania 19 to Mania 20. That was his run. And and they gave him the world title, but they basically only gave him like two feuds. They gave him Triple H and Jericho. And, well, Lesnar. But we try to forget about that match. Oh, yeah. That was, that was the shits. Quite possibly the worst match that's ever happened. Could be. Really I mean, the fans didn't help. But uh, but there's something I saw, and I want to get your take on. I want to make sure I read this right, Gary. Somebody post posted an idea because you heard that uh, Dustin Rhodes announced that 2023 is going to be his last year as a full time wrestler. Yeah. So somebody put this on actually on AEW Dynamite's Facebook page here. I think it's just a fan page, but. Make sure I can read this here. I'm going to read this directly from here. If he only has a year left on his career, all the wrestling should let him go over to a, for a short NWA run and rip the title away from Tyrus. Let him hold a world title just once before he retires. Let him hold the gold that his brother and father held. Imagine the pop for him returning to AEW holding the title in somewhere like Texas. I don't hate that idea. No, and if you're Billy Corgan, you shouldn't either. No. If you're Tony Khan, you shouldn't. But, I don't uh, know how I don't know how Billy Corgan makes any money doing this deal. I think it's just a I don't want to say vanity project, but he makes his money playing music. Yeah, and but I think he just does this for love of the game, you know, doing the NWA yeah. stuff. So this thing continues. Um, Dustin deserves to at the very least be given a program to take a shot at it. His legacy alone is strong enough justification, and what a moment it would be to have him be. Want to elevate that title again and give it some prestige after Tyrus? Kind of a shot at Tyrus. <laughs> well, Tyrus is horrible. Uh, I wasn't going to say it. He's <laughs> he, I wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't have to hold it long, but he should hold it at least once. I agree with that. The man is a wrestling treasure. NWA isn't in a great spot right now, and can really use a strong story to reset their course. Plus, just imagine the emotional heft of his promos during this Dustin's hard times, baby. Not wrong. No, not wrong. And they could easily have Dustin win the belt and have Cardona beat him for it, you know? Because that belt needs to go back on uh, on Cardona, who is in for a rough weekend, by the way. He's got a death match with Bully Ray at the ECW Arena on Saturday. <laughs> I guess it's some sort of ECW reunion show, and, you know, Cardona's telling everybody he's an ECW original. Oh, yeah. He's a WWE CW original, but I guess uh, Bully has taken some umbrage to that. Uh, Apparently, uh, Bully's feeling pretty good right now about yeah. their work. He is doing the NWA stuff. He's got a pretty cool program going with Josh Alexander right now on Impact. But uh, I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll beat Josh for the title, but it wouldn't surprise me if they if he did. Yeah, somebody's it's, got to. But. Yeah, and Bully's awesome. I'm I'm a big fan. Not just because I pissed him off on Twitter a year ago. Well, so. you can put your name on a long list. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he never blocked me, so I got that going for me. Yeah, so. Yeah, Dusty. 
Thank you. He had a great mind for the business, but he, uh, and he always, some people gave him crap for it, but honestly, he was such a big star that he would book himself on top and people would get mad, but there's no reason to be mad. Like, he knew that he was the draw, and he was. It was his charisma. Wasn't He wasn't burning the world down with his work rate, but it was charisma and his ability to cut a promo. Yeah. And he just drew. He, he, I was explaining to my wife the other day, because we were watching uh, Tales from the Territory, about how it used to be if you were at the top of the card, you actually got paid more money. Mm-hmm. Because you were drawing money. You had no guaranteed contracts. You had no guaranteed contracts. You just drew what the gate was. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that would be like Ric Flair running a promotion and not putting himself at top back in the day. Of course he was going to be a draw. Yeah. Because he's Ric Flair. You know, he wasn't going to run something. And Dusty was the same way. Wherever Dusty went, fans followed. I mean, he was just this charismatic ball of energy and it's kind of how it worked. Yeah. And he always, his, his booking was simple and to the point and it wasn't, but there was, uh, well, what was it? Like, you know, he just, they knew how to sell. They knew how to, to get an, get a angle over and he couldn't do a crossbody to save his life. What are you kidding? Uh, he was like a gazelle, baby. <laughs> a wounded, half-dead gazelle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kind of piggyback what you said. I mean, yeah, he booked himself in the in the main events and all that. But especially like in uh, Crockett, a lot of times he was putting guys over. I mean, you look at the run with Blanchard and Ric Flair, you know, they were in very Wyndham. Yeah. Know, he was putting these guys over huge and he'd get a win every now and then and hold a title for like maybe a month. He never held any of those belts for very long. Before well, he, he went back, he put the belt back on Flair. And uh, I, th- I think when, if they thought he was winning the match, they'd do the dusty finish and he wouldn't be the champion. He'd just get that, that pop, you know? I, I think he personifies something that wrestling is sorely missing and kind of the same thing that a Tommy Dreamer had. Like Tommy could cut a promo. He was, he could tug on your heartstrings. He was always the underdog. He wasn't a small dude by any means. No. He just got beat up and, and Dusty was that guy. He was always the son of a plumber. You know, he was always for the working man. He always came out, worked hard dropped elbows, you know, did did his thing. But Tommy and Dusty and there's a few other people, like Undertaker at the end of his career, they didn't need a title hmm. to get somebody else and themselves over. That's kind of what Cena's doing these days when he comes back. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. And Dusty, I think, personified that really early on. Like, Flair Flair kind of always needed a title. Because he was... The title needed Flair. Yeah. Dusty didn't need that to be over. No. 
Dusty didn't need a title around his waist to tell everybody who he was. Mm-hmm. Because he would just tell you who he was. Yeah. And you would believe him because he was Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. And he could and he could cut a promo on anything. There the Hard Times promo is still like on repeat on some people's YouTube every day. I had it saved on my phone. And <laughs> it's just a it's a it's a almost a piece of art. Yeah. Because it's so good and it's it's so poignant and it gets to the point. And um, Dreamer, like, it, it reminds me of, like, Dreamer versus Raven. Like, he, he won, like, once. <laughs> yeah, that last match was the only one he won. And it just was, it felt like an emotional release. It wasn't a win. It was just, like, every fan was, like, finally, that chair shot meant so much more. Then, then it just being a chair shot. It wasn't just a wicked chair. It was, it was everything everybody was feeling. Like every, and I do. I wish Tommy had the belt more than once. Like actually having the belt. Yes, I think he deserved to have it more than once for that short amount of time. Especially the eighteen minutes that he had it or something. Yeah, I I think that was a short change. I don't mm-hmm. think he needed it all the time. I think he needed one decent run with it. But Dusty was always the guy that was getting people over, even if he was winning. Yeah. And people lose that now. Like, Lesnar coming back? Lesnar doesn't need a belt. He's Brock Lesnar. You know what Brock Lesnar does. You put him in a program. He doesn't need a title. That's just that's just ego. Yeah. Right. Like, Ron, Ronda Rousey shouldn't have belts. She should just be running, running roughshod. She should be in programs with people. One, because she can't work. It's a little, it's a, it's a widely known hush hush secret. <laughs> and she's just making other people look bad. She's going to get people hurt. Mm-hmm. But she's still a name and she can still get people over. Yeah. She doesn't need fun. to be in the title picture. Yeah. John Cena, he's, he, like you said, he comes back and he just wants, he loves the business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loves the business and knows, hey, I'm not going to be around enough to have another belt. So he just doesn't care. But he's going to put people over while he's here. Roman Reigns could never have a title ever again. And you could can, and you could use him to put people over and put himself over. Mm-hmm. You have program after program after program with him and somebody else. Make him an attraction. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But Dusty, I, I think, started that where it was because it used to be back in the day, like your top guy always had your belt. They always had to win it, lose it, win it, lose it. Like he moved around a lot more than a lot of those top guys did. Mm-hmm. Like he was in Florida, he was in Texas, he was in Mid South. He was, he did a lot of moving. Yeah. And short run in uh, New York, you know, working with Billy Graham. I don't think he ever had a title in WCW. No. Even the early days. So, but he was always there. He was always over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he should be, I think that should be, he is. He's a great template to work off of. Mm-hmm. 
and see the other guys who work like him, how, how far they get over and what they could do without having a title. And it's just, I don't, I, I think wrestling is now too centered around your titles mm-hmm. and not enough around just stories. And because people don't know how to get themselves over without doing 14,000 spots in a match. That's how they get their cheers. Like if you can't go out like Ricky Starks, he could be a Dusty Rhodes type, a Tommy Dreamer type. I think he's got the background, the story, the abilities. He cut a great promo this last week. How good was that? It was so good. And it reminded me a lot of like a Dusty Rhodes promo. Like you can do whatever you want to me, you know, just doesn't matter. Because yeah. I'm not here for that. I'm here for this. Right. I, you could take a Ricky Starks and you could make him your Tommy Dreamy, your Dusty Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And another guy, too, uh, Kingston, could very well do that. Oh, Eddie Kingston would be a great. Eddie doesn't need a belt. People are like, put the belt on Eddie. No, Eddie doesn't need a belt. He needs a good feud. He needs a program. Right. He needs somebody to be mad at. I mean, that's not hard. no it's not the most difficult thing in the world i mean at this point you could probably just spin around and throw a dart (laughs) if eddie kingston somehow is watching this i love you (laughs) oh man he's one of my favorites and i've met eddie a couple times great guy you know he's always nice to me great great promo he can work yeah He, he like you can tell even the stuff that looks stiff isn't I've I've heard from reputable sources that his spinning back fist is probably in the top five moves you actually want to take yeah. because it looks good and it's not going to kill you. So it's not like Hanson's lariat. No, it's the opposite of Hanson's lariat, which would kill you. <laughs> I don't know how it didn't. Oh. I the first time I saw King in the ring was also by WA uh, Ted Pitty Invitational '07. Night two, he wrestled. Well, night one, he got eliminated from the tournament. Night two, he had a last man standing match with Chris Hero. And this was, and him and Hero were, they went around uh, Chikara, IWA, CZW, PW, all, all over the country with this feud for a good two or three years. And this was the big blow off match for the IWA part of the feud. And just looked like they were beating the shit out of it. They, they did guardrail bumps, which I hate because it always those guardrails do not uh, have any any give whatsoever. So that's when people get hurt. But uh, Kingston got the got the win on that, and uh, the crowd was all for it. They they love Kingston and IWA, and uh, yeah. And then you were talking about Raven and Dreamer as a feud. I'll put Kingston and Hero up there with with, with them any day of the week, just for the matches that they had, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. this is just a, a little rant on my part. Just on how much I, I'm a fan of uh, Kingston and Hero. Those are probably well, I mean, my favorite guys on the Indies. Well, you look at a guy like um, in the same mold as the Dusty Rose, a DDP. DDP was WCW's biggest face for yeah. the whole NWO, made the, only, the whole where they were hot. Yeah, the only guy and, that didn't join. And he eventually won the title, but it wasn't until down the line. Right. And he was a heel by the point he won the title. But he was still 
over. Yeah. Because and, of his character work. Yeah. And big assist from Randy Savage also. Yeah. That well, Savage Savage saw that in him. Yeah. And was willing to work with him. Savage yeah. didn't work with anybody he didn't want to work with. Yeah. And Savage so, was willing to take his finish. Yeah. So yeah, I, Dusty, all time great. But I, I have always looked at it that way that he just he looked at the business differently than people other people did. He could see things in people and how to draw it out of them. Yeah. And I think it's lost now. Or heading towards lost. Right. There's still a few that can they can do it. But it's it's not as important a, a part of like the training and the developing of the talent anymore, which is troubling. Well, I mean, you see it. I, here's old man yelling at clouds. But you see it in baseball. You see it in football. You see it in all the other sports, too. Like these young, the younger generation, they have better training. They have better, like, gym habits. They have better eating habits. So their bodies are, are much better. They're in much better peak physical condition and so they just get to these spots where their their athleticism does most of the work for them because they've trained their you know they've trained in these hyper aggressive ways mm -hmm. but like when you look at baseball i don't know how many situations i every year where a bunt would push a run across and they just don't do it anymore or just opposite field hitting right where they could just slap the ball the balls pitch on the outside the guy rolls over on it and they're like oh well that was right into the shift no that was because he always does that he's mm -hmm. a professional baseball player why is he not learned how to hit to the opposite field yeah. everybody used to be able to hit oppo yeah even ted uh, williams yeah. could hit oppo he just chose not to right. <laughs> He was stubborn. He, he, like, oh, he was just cool. stubborn. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. that he couldn't. He yeah. just didn't want to. Yeah. Like and, uh, football players, same way. Mm -hmm. All basketball players, you know, you've heard guys talk about how I don't want to play defense because it tires me out for offense. And it's just crazy because I don't know if we're still alive. <laughs> Maybe still here. I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so I, I think that's what wrestling is now. It, it's fallen into that same category where these guys go to these schools and then they do the super kicks, they do all the other things, and people chant for them and they cheer for them, but they don't give them anything to love them. And wrestling, out of every sport, is a sport where it's not just being over, it's being loved. It's being adored by the fans. Stone Cold wasn't just over. He was loved by the fans. People didn't line up for hours to see him because they were like, oh, Stone Cold's pretty cool. No, they loved Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that was a guy who could work. Steve Austin was a mechanic, man. Like yeah. The dude could work. And he stopped doing all this stuff because, hey, he didn't have okay. to do it anymore because he had a yeah. character. He, he connected with people. 
he was on the pulse of what they wanted and he did that yeah. and dusty was always that way he was he was always connected to the people people loved dusty roads they didn't just say you know oh hey dusty's going to be there oh that'll be neat to see dusty it's, it was it was fanaticism to see dusty roads yeah dusty i put in that category with with an andre the giant just of the greatest wrestling attractions of all time i think those are a and one and one a yeah i would say and brock is getting close to that status also like for for this generation he's like you said, he's more of an attraction than anything. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot to digest there, Gary. Uh, and also, just kind of the piggyback what you were saying about baseball. Nobody steals bases anymore. And uh, yeah. I've every, like for the last five years, I've gone on Twitter, and every year I'll make the same offer of 100 U.S. dollars to the first major league player to steal 100 bases in a season. Yeah. And actually, I say first the next. I mean, it happened before, obviously, with Ricky Henderson, Vince Coleman, all those guys. But nobody, like, somebody will steal 30 bases and, oh, he's having a career year and steals. Like, that was, Ricky could do that in two months. Yeah. But I, I had to just get that off my chest. So I'll get, I'll move on. So, yeah. So congratulations to Dusty Rhodes uh, in the great beyond for being our latest inductee into the, the Hall of Fame here. Uh, we don't have, we never have a plaque ranking to send to these people, but or their or their families, whatever the case may be. But right, we just uh, give them their give them their flowers, as it were. So before we got about another half hour, or so Gary, so why don't we get into our top ten Tuesday here with my fancy graphics in this week's topic? And this is I had kind of I had some fun with this one, Gary. Uh, top 10 greatest bad disguises in wrestling and i think you'll know where i'm going with this somebody gets suspended or fired or whatever they come back as a different character but it's oh so obvious who is under under the mask or or whatever so this was actually a little tricky i had to scrape a little bit to come up with my my 10 favorites i had a couple that well i had one that didn't make the list but very easily could have. But we'll start off with probably the silliest one here, Gary, and that is number 10, Juan Cena. Yeah. Juan Cena got fired from the Nexus, and then this was just for house shows. I think it was in Mexico. But he was doing the house show group under a mask as Juan Cena, even though he was technically fired from the company. And just brilliant. It's, it's great. Uh, again, ridiculous, but, you know, I'm all for it. In fact, he got a mask to match his shirt. It was just great. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish I would have been there for the promos. <laughs> see if he actually could do it in Spanish. Uh, number nine, this was just a one-off uh, 99, or was it, no, it was 2000, my mistake. Uh, when Edge and Christian masqueraded as Los Conquistadores to win back the WWE Tag Team titles from the Hardy Boys. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, technically, the Hardys did the same thing. They were under the hoods first yeah. to get a title shot. And then Edge and Christian put the put the mask on to get there to sneak in a rematch and win the titles back. That's one of my favorite. 
It's one of okay. my favorite all-time gags that keeps going. Anytime you mention those conquistadors to Edge or Christian, they say, well, when you were under those masks, and there's like, where allegedly under those masks, they, they still won't ever fully admit that they were those conquistadors. That's, that's awesome. But they really, man, they made a meal out of it, though. And I don't know if you ever saw the pay-per-view that they did that on. But <coughs> after they won, they went back to backstage where they were, the conquistadors were celebrating. And I guess a couple other guys put them, put the costumes on, and then Edge and Christian were celebrating with them in the locker room. Yeah. So it's marvelous, even though you can see the blonde hair under the mask in the, during the match. But, uh, yeah, so that was just the one time. Uh, number eight, this is kind of an obscure one, Gary, and it's a it's a rehash from Florida, but I've got the WCW version because it was a little more obvious who it was to me. Uh, Brian Pillman as the Yellow Dog in 1991. This is the old uh, Pillman lost the loser leaves town match to Barry Windham, and then here he is. He's got the... Uh, it's just ironic because Wyndham was Yellow Dog in Florida in the early 80s. But they gave Pillman the uh, the gimmick for for a little run before he came back. And uh, I'm sure the girls were disappointed because, you know, the ladies loved Pillman back then. He was a, he was a real heartthrob, as it were. But anything Pillman did was gold to me because I was always a fan. I see you, Gary. Are you bragging with your Cardinals hat that you got with some Contreras and you're just showing me the logo? No, I was, I was trying to see if uh, Barry Wyndham was, if he had passed away or not, because I know oh, he's that, in the hospital. The last I heard, he was out of the ICU, so I think things are looking up for Barry. So, get well wishes to him, definitely. Uh, I think we do have a GoFundMe going for him for medical expenses. I don't have the link handy, but... Uh, Hopefully he can uh, get what he needs and get back uh, back on his feet. Uh, let's see, number seven. Uh, can't go wrong with this guy, Gary. Chainsaw Charlie, Terry Funk. Yeah, he wasn't even really under a hood. He, just, <laughs> he was just, under a pantyhose. Under a stocking. <laughs> but just they were they. It took them weeks to even acknowledge that it was Terry Funk, didn't they? Yeah, I, I, they always call them. I don't know why you get Terry Funk and then you're like, let's call him Chainsaw Charlie. It's, what, are they trying to give him a Cactus Jack type gimmick? Terry Funk doesn't need that. He's a gimmick in and of himself. Yeah, he's Terry Funk. Like, just make him Terry Funk. Like, Cactus always Jack been... and Terry Funk is an awesome enough team. Yeah. But, the, yeah, so he had his little run with the Chainsaw. Then he, I think he was... Well, he was still Chainsaw Charlie when they beat the Outlaws of Mania, but he didn't have the mask on anymore. He was basically just Terry Funk under a different name. Yeah. But Funker goes, uh, for all the people, like he's probably my top three favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, I put him Funker up there. Really good. Yes, very good. He's still kicking, you know. Yep. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't look great. He's showing his age, but he's 80. 78 years old, I think. But we'll move on here. This is another ridiculous one. And I might get a little grief as we get further down the list because I have this on here. The James Gang, 
which was Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA under a mask when they were trying to get a shot at the Midnight Express, but they wouldn't give America's team a title shot. So they show up with, with masks on. and I don't know. Which one's Dusty in this picture, Gary? Oh, I don't know. You yeah. couldn't really. You could, you know, it's, it's flip a coin because body types are so similar. Oh, and not for nothing, should we recreate this picture in the uh, the uh, insert here with the with the fur coats? If you can find fur coats, <laughs> might have to be faux fur. I I can't afford yeah. fur. But the, yeah, so they so basically the James Boys defeated the Midnight Express on TV, and then classic Cornette just crowing about how it was actually America's team all along and. Been for weeks trying to get proof. It was just good. It was just good television. <sighs> but you put Dusty and uh, Cornette together, it's always going to be good. Especially when you got Baby Doll. <laughs> I don't know how Jimmy said what he said about Baby Doll and didn't get knocked out backstage sometimes because <laughs> he was he was not kind to to her. Yeah. Yeah. All right, number five, Gary, when we're, we're moving along here. Stagger Lee, the junkyard dog for Mid-South Wrestling. Same deal, DiBiase beats him in a loser leaves town match, and then here he is, he comes in, looks exactly the same, just he has a t-shirt and a mask on. And, yeah. change, and as usual, like all these guys, didn't change his moves. Still yeah. did the headbutt, still did the thump, all that stuff. It's under a hood. Yeah. But the crowd was in for it. And then they would also do the thing where sometimes he would be there, like not wrestling, but he'd like do interviews with Staggerly next to him. And I I forget who they said was under the mask. Somebody said it was Coco Beware, but I don't think it was him. I think he was a little bigger than Coco. But uh but yeah, so that was that went on for a little bit until his I think it was it was either sixty or ninety days he was supposed to be gone for. And uh and that was just so he could, I think he had some injuries, but yeah, then when he came back and he beat uh, DiBiase for the uh, North American title and just went back to us because JYD was the biggest guy in Mid-South. He was, he was their Hogan for a long time. Yeah, he was. <sighs> Gary, I'm not losing you, am I? No, I'm just. Long day? Yeah, it's a long day. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, it's like 6 a.m., well, we got a, we got a few more, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll call it a call it a show here. All right, number four, and this one is just ludicrous. <laughs> you would think that he was anybody but who he was. Andre the Giant is the giant machine in the mid '80s. So the machines were a tag team. It was uh, Bill Eady of uh, Axe Demolition, uh, Blackjack Mulligan as I think he was Super Machine. I forget. And then they had Giant Machine, which was Andre, who was clearly a head taller than both of them. And you know, it, he's wearing the same. He's wearing Andre's gear for God's sakes. He got the one strap singlet on. Yeah. So how, <laughs> uh, trying to put one over on the brain. So Bobby just uh, spent months trying to prove that he was Andre, although it shouldn't have been that hard. And. Uh, in the machines, I could have done a whole section on the machines because they also did Hulk Machine, which was just Hogan with a with his yellow T-shirt and the mask on. Piper Machine, uh, Animal Machine, which was George Animal Steel. So they put 
it just made it a, a huge, just a gimmick to throw the baby faces on live events, which is ridiculous. And uh, and that's actually what led to Heenan got Andre's suspension lifted, and then that's when he joined up with both Bobby and Challenge Hogan. So it didn't last too long, but it was entertaining, if you ask me. All right, number three, and I know I say ridiculous a lot in this list. But I'm just going to leave this here. Yeah, I was wondering when you were going to get the black scorpion. This is a case of, in case of emergency break glass, because it wasn't supposed to be flare. As I understand, it was supposed to be Al Perez, but he didn't want to do it. And uh, so they just put the mask on Flair, had only dubbed the voice, and then they did the uh, the match at Starcade with Sting. But the whole Black Scorpion character was ridiculous. It's just Jim Hurd 101. Just take a ridiculous name, give him magical powers, and then in the end, just, he's Ric Flair. Just, no, makes no sense. Because you know who wants to see Sting versus Flair on a pay per view without? without Did the... Jim Hurd do uh, the Robocop fiasco too? Was that under him? That I believe it was. And was also, 90s, yeah. Also, uh, oh, the one where the guy—I can't think of getting tired—fell through the on his. Or you dressed up as him for oh, Halloween. Oh, no, Shockmaster. Yeah, Sean. No, that was a dusty call. That wasn't heard. Oh, that was a bad call. <laughs> it would have been fine, but they rehearsed it before the show. And it went perfect. You know, it went, went through the wall. When the stagehands rebuilt the wall, they put a crossbeam across the bottom, like for support. And nobody told Fred Ottman. So when he goes through the wall, he catches his feet on the on the crossbar, and that's what sends a mass over tea kettle and makes for just mean gold in the wrestling business it's just <laughs> yeah, poor, yeah poor shock master but it made for the greatest halloween costume i've ever done it was pretty good yeah I, when i go to the squirt circle expo i'm debating bringing that for the wrestler lookalike contest because i might have a shot yeah. <laughs> my wife says do it so and if I win, I get VIP passes for the next expo. So that's oh. only problem is I got to figure out how to do because they make you do a promo. So I need to figure out how to get the only voice because I can't just use my voice. It sound wrong. Yeah. So I'd have to figure. Maybe I'll talk to Dustin see if we can. Two different contests. One is the lookalike contest, and the other is the promo fighting contest. Oh, I don't remember. Uh, I think it's two separate things. It might be. We'll see. Okay, so. We're going to move on here to our number two. And the two, the top two should be obvious. It's just a question of in what order. And like I said, I'm, this one I'm just going to, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to hit the button. Boom. Mr. America. Yeah. It, it just, why? <laughs> I mean, I remember when they had the, uh, the little promos saying Mr. America is coming. And I didn't know who it was going to, I didn't know it was going to be Hogan under a mask. I thought it was like an actual new character. Like, <laughs> I thought it was like somebody who, like doing a Luger style thing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then what do you know? Here comes the Hulkster brother with his blue Captain America mask on. And 
running around with Zach Gowan and making a monkey out of Vince McMahon. So that's what they do. But uh, I mean, I don't know. Can you see any resemblance between this picture and the the insert? Um. Uh, you know, when you look them side by side, <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a slight. Maybe they're cousins. Maybe, maybe it's Beefcake's brother or something. You know, Eddie yeah. Boulder. Uh, the only way they could have made it more obvious is if they would have, instead of a Mister America shirt, remember the old American made shirt from yeah. the eighties? Yeah. Have him do that and come out to Hogan's WCW music. Yeah. Which there is a mashup on YouTube of I of Real American and American Made the WCW song together, and it goes together shockingly well. Of course, Jimmy Hart wrote American Made. I think he was like, like I, I can't do real American, baby, so I'm going to make you something as close as I can. Oh, come on, Hulkster. <laughs> do you have any idea how confused I was the first time I saw Jimmy Hart managing Hulk Hogan like in a match in like 93? Because I didn't watch the pay-per-views when they happened. And all of a sudden, I put WrestleMania 9 on, and here comes Jimmy Hart. I'm like, what the hell is this? Just Yeah, I was confused when he when he after a while when he even had anybody because Jimmy would just come out and have his megaphone, but he never really tripped anybody or did anything. He was just kind of there. Kind of like yeah. Elizabeth. She just would just stand there. Yeah. I didn't understand. Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Well, Elizabeth was there for Randy to hide behind. Yeah. Jimmy was just there. Yeah. He was there to yell at referees with the megaphone. He like after 1989, he didn't really do much as, no. as far as getting involved in in matches. He was just over with all the boys. So. Oh, everybody loves Jimmy. He's one of the guys I'd I'd love to meet someday. I've had I had a, a close call with him in like 07. I was at a fan access in Schaumburg. It was before WrestleMania, and they had a like a WWE experiencing at the mall up there. And Jimmy and Hillbilly Jim were were there. Just kind of working, like Hillbilly Jim was just working backstage, like just like walking through the crowd in the street clothes. And then Jimmy, I think, was doing meet and greets, but I didn't get a chance to meet him or greet him. So someday, because I've got a picture of me with Bret Hart on my wallet, I'd love to put a picture with Jimmy nearby. So, but that's just me. All right, so we've done the first nine. I'm going to give you, well, I'm not going to make you guess, but I'll bet you have an idea of who number one is. I was thinking the Black Scorpion may have been, but if it's not that man, or like, and it's not Shockmaster, then I don't know. Oh, yeah, the Midnight Rider. Yes. He used that in Florida, and then he used it again in the NWA. I think, the, I remember the one from Crockett more because that was in like 88. It was after he, uh, I think he hit Jim Crockett with a bat or something on accident and got suspended. He was fighting the horseman. And then uh, when Barry joined the horseman, then Dusty went into the locker room with the mask on. He still he still played up the gimmick. But And then uh, the horseman beat him up and Wyndham took his mask. And then that's there's this really, uh, I'm not going to say iconic, but there's this picture on online from the end of, it was either a clash or worldwide or something where, 
they're driving the horse are driving off in the limo and it stops and the window rolls down and Barry holds up the mask out the window and then he puts up the four fingers next to it and that's they made a picture out of that and put it out there and it's kind of a I think it's awesome I think it's cool I want to get a poster made of that but the, then shortly after that he came back as Dusty and then had his run with Wyndham but yeah Midnight Riders probably my I'm also my favorite uh, of of these and not just because I love Dusty. So, and it kind of makes sense with Dusty being our inductee this this episode for the Hall of Fame to, yeah, for the Midnight Rider to be number one. So, before we say goodbye, Gary, I want to get some business out of the way. Uh, once again, prowrestlingtees.com slash JTR pod. You saw the the new shirts up there. There it is again. But that's this isn't all we have. We got plenty of stuff on there. So if you like, go there, see what we have, like what you see, and pick something up. We would appreciate it. So. Uh, Follow uh, us on Twitter at JTR Pod, Instagram at Jumping the Rail. Uh, this coming Thursday at 5 p.m., uh, the Zero One Shootout, myself and Menders are going to be uh, talking with a, either the full group or a subset of the Low Lifes going into the How the Low Lifes to Christmas show this coming Saturday. So check that out on YouTube on the JTR Podcast Network channel. And uh, also, I want to give a shout out real quick. Uh, you guys remember Marco, our producer, uh, for the first year plus of the show. And uh, like I said, we went to his house over the weekend for the Christmas party, and uh, Nard was there, so it was cool hanging out. And uh, he gave, Marco gave me this really cool thing. He's got this uh, machine in his house. It's like a, I don't know if it's a laser printer or what, but he got some coasters made up with, uh, and I never know where to point, but he got me some, uh, hold on, hold on. there we go, I got it. We got some go. dumping the rail coasters made for me, which look really cool. So thanks to Marco for that. And uh yeah, so and plus they're durable, they're not like your run-of-the-mill, like thin plastic coasters. These are you can hear that's that's ceramic, so that's that's gonna last me a while. So thanks to Marco for that. Uh Gary, you have anything you want to add before we say goodbye? Um sometime in the new year, we're gonna start with our guest every other show or something like that yes uh and well, then uh once we get a time for that we'll let y'all know and then like mark was saying we may have a different location and producer at some point hopefully in the new year so just be on the lookout for that and then once we get all that rolling we'll get and uh, also, uh, yeah, so like you're saying, we're do that uh, like a Chicago indie series, like in the at the start of the new year. Uh, next episode on the 27th will be the annual year in review episode. Uh, if you remember last year, it went about three hours long. We don't want that to happen this year. So, no, uh, I think we had 20 something subjects to talk about during that show. I'm going to cut that maybe in half and <laughs> just pick the good ones. Yes, uh, I'll get Gary a list of those. Get him figure out what he has to say about that. And uh, we're looking at having one, possibly two guests on that episode to to help us out. Uh, I just have to make sure that they're they're down for that. So keep an eye on our Facebook page, and we will keep you uh, keep you posted on that. So other than that, Gary, I don't have a whole lot else. So uh, what do you say we put a pin in this one, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Sound good? Yep. All right, for the Italian stallion, Gary Vasellio, this is uh, Mark Redman reminding you all, life is hard, so work stiff. See you later. <laughs>